Welcome to this week's episode of the Suffering Servants Podcast. My name is Tyler. I get to serve as the Associate Pastor at Family of God Lutheran Church in Southwest Detroit, as well as St. Stephen Lutheran Church, also in Southwest Detroit. This week, Pastor Hill is on vacation. That's why we didn't have an episode last week. But this week, we are joined with Deacon Ron Hughes. Uh, well, he's not really a deacon yet. He is in a deacon in training, but he has been serving with us at the Family of God for uh, almost 10 years, probably a little bit more than 10 years. Uh, he has quite the story. He's gone through a lot of things in his life. He is a he is a veteran. Uh, he is also in recovery, and he has had quite the experience with the church. And, and one of the, a lot of the things that we talk about in this episode is just how our faith is so formative for us, the importance of being in relationships and in community. And of course, he will offer some uh, some things with regard to recovery. And so, my prayer for you is that you will be blessed by this conversation. Uh, Ron has a lot to a lot to give, and as a as a brother, as a as a mentor, as as someone that I, I really genuinely enjoy spending time with, uh, and and just to see his passion at the family of God and how the Spirit has has completely uh, turned things around in his life. Um, I'm excited for you to hear that. So I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm excited for you to hear the hear the conversation. So uh, if you love the conversation, I encourage you to share it. Um, encourage you to like and subscribe and rate, review, all that good stuff on the podcast. If you give five stars, it allows people to see it uh, on your podcast platform. So thank you so much, all of you, for tuning in today, for listening. Uh, Ron, it's time for our episode. And friends, we'll be back next week for a Christmas episode featuring not one, not two, not three, not four, but five guests. We're going to try something really special next week, so uh, stick around for that. If no one's told you yet, God loves you, and so do we. Welcome to the show. It's great to see you, a dear brother, a dear friend of not just the podcast, but of the ministry. I get to see you uh, twice today, uh, this morning, and then later on this evening at uh, at Family of God. So I'm feeling pretty lucky. I don't know if that's the same. Uh, <laughs> that's the same for you. But how are you doing this morning? I'm not doing too bad. I'm a little wore out. I mean, I being the semi not anal retentive person I am, I've started putting everything in my calendar because. Being semi-retired, I'm busier than I was when I was working, it seems to me. I got my hands in a whole <laughs> lot of different things. Um, but I put it in for 9 o'clock and realized after I logged on and I was patiently waiting for you, as Spanky does. Yeah, you text me at 9 o'clock. You're like, I'm, I'm waiting for you. I'm like, uh, well, I didn't text back right away, which is... If you if anyone has had any any interaction texting me, they know that I'm it's rare that I text back right away. So, uh, but yeah, I was like, oh crap, it's nine thirty. It's nine thirty. I'm not even at home. So, and then I went, well, uh, I went back and looked at the email. I'm like, oh man, I put it in for the wrong time. Oh, I could have done. I could have done another another you know two minute jog or two two mile jog or whatever you were yeah. doing this morning. Yeah, right? You were run. were you were run. you CrossFitting or were you just yes? Lifting? I was doing CrossFit. Okay. How, what's that been like for you um, as a part of as a part of the cult? Well, I've been doing it kind of like a lot of things in my life. I got turned on to it 
after I came back from deployment in 2011. So I started probably around mid 2012. Um, a bunch of us that I was in the army with or army national guard with were they got me into it. And it was, it was weird because one of the guys was a one star general. <laughs> so that I knew real well, but anyways, a group of us started at a, a gym here in, uh, Plymouth or Canton. It was called Plymouth CrossFit, but it was actually in Canton and went there for a couple of years. And then I changed to the gym that I've been going to now, probably in late 2013, early 2014. I mean, they've, they've been open. Actually, we're, they're celebrating their 10th anniversary right now. So okay. and I did that three to four days a week uh, up until... 2019 no it was after 2021 i mean covid kind of screwed everything up um the gym closed for a while (laughs) even though the well the owner of the gym didn't really want to do it but he did it he followed the guidelines and then he they opened up with restrictions and limiting the number of people that could come to classes. And mm-hmm. we each had our own little box that we had to stay in and they had everything set up <laughs> for us before. Don't step out of the box. <laughs> yeah. We had boxes in the box. Oh, anyway. No. So, but the gym I go to is it's eight mile or CrossFit eight mile in Livonia. And it's unlike anything that I've ever been involved in when it comes to to working out or anything like that. It's, it's an amazing place. Um, there's only a few of us left. I went back earlier this year when they started a legends class, which is 55 and older. Um, and then I've got back into going to normal classes as well. Um, but it's, there's only a handful of us left that were there when the gym opened up and, but it's outside of a church. And I don't want to, and I know people think CrossFit is cultish, but it's our gym is really not. It's a community. Yeah. Um, you meet all kinds of different people, and they're not judgmental. Um, much like the people that we deal with at Fog a lot. Um, the you know, the people that come in, everybody knows everybody's story. Yeah. Um, Fog being family and, of God, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and and it's like it it doesn't matter if you are super in shape or if you're a beginner you're not judged you're encouraged uh the coaches are phenomenal um you know everybody says crossfit is dangerous it's really not um if you have people doing things properly i mean i know right. people that go to planet fitness or lifetime or whatever they get hurt a whole lot oh, yeah. more uh-huh. um i mean i got i got hurt once but it was my fault i dropped a barbell on my foot and remember when I was in a boot (laughs) and broke my foot, but um, that was totally on me. I wasn't paying attention. Right. I was distracted and wasn't really paying attention. So um, it's been great. I mean, I, I enjoy being back. Um, This legends class is really nice because it's people my age. um, You know, we don't, we're at different stages of life. Um, but even when I go to the normal classes and, and there's a mix of people, younger, older, whatever, there's no, there's no competition. There's no judging. 
Yeah. And it's nice to go in there and, and get your butt kicked, so to speak, and then feel good. I mean, I've been doing, like I said, I've been doing it on and off for, you know, 10, 11 years. So would you, say that's, would you say that's been good for, because I, I remember, um, I think you listened, I think you listened to this episode. I, for the listener, I had uh, pastor, well, your pastor now, pastor Gabe Casper on the on the pod not it was the beginning of the year he was the first he had the honor of being the first uh uh the first guest uh so to speak on the on the podcast and one of the things that he was talking about was um crossfitting was super good for his depression and so um has that been really good for have you experienced a lot of the same thing as far as like your mental health when when i'm in it when i'm really doing it i it it changes my whole outlook on on everything i mean i'm more disciplined i'm more motivated um, my mind's clearer. Um, I don't get to to use an army term. I don't get wrapped around the axle on the on the small stuff. Um, mm. It's easy, yeah. um, and it's also translated more into like you mentioned. You know, my deacon studies or even my um, my Bible study uh, or devotional life. I mean, it just it just changes everything, and it's scientific. Uh, you know, when you talk, people talk about working out. Doesn't matter what you do, as long as you're getting physical activity, that dopamine and everything, it clears all the junk out, and it keeps me. It, it's another way to keep me grounded. Yeah. Um, like I said, I have you know I have acquaintances, and not really good friends, but I have friends that, you know, when I came back to the gym after being gone for a year and a half, almost two years, I mean, it it was amazing how they welcomed me back. It's like, we miss you. And then, you know, my wife, Di, used to go with me and, you know, she she doesn't really go anymore, but, you know, they ask about us, they ask what's going on. And I mean, with some of the things that have gone on in the last two, two and a half, three years, um, I don't deep dive into a lot of that because I typically don't trust a lot of people Yeah. Um, with my personal life, but there's a couple of them there that, Hey, we noticed you're not. And then when I kind of explain it and I, you know, I tell them I've been, you know, I've been in recovery for going on, well now almost two years. Um, and they're like, wow, you know, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a testimony too, because a lot, you know, I'm not shy about my faith. Um, and I've seen a lot of people not, maybe not necessarily because I've had conversations with them, but I've seen people at the gym that I've known for years that all of a sudden now they're going to church mm-hmm. and I've had, you know, conversations or when I was a little bit more active on Facebook um, and I post something, they're like, hey, you know, you said this and it made me think kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's a great community. Um, yeah. And like I said, yeah, people think it's cultish or whatever. But, you know, it, it's it's like we talk about a family of God. It's community. Yeah. Um, it's people. I'm going to use this and in, in, I don't mean it in a direct correlation, but it's people suffering together. Right. Yeah, to bring you close, and I mean, you know, and that's why people in the military, um, it doesn't matter if you served with them or not. 
you know, right. you've seen me talk. You, we've had other vets walk into family of God and you see, I instantly have that connection with them and I can sit there and talk to them. Like I've known them for 20 years. Right. Cause they, that's, they, you know, they know and that's the thing. What, what and that's to serve. Yeah. And that's one thing that, you know, and I know you and I have talked about this and I've talked a little bit with uh, pastor Jim too, is that's something I notice that's missing in the, in the church and not just the Lutheran church, but churches in general. We just, we go in on Sundays, we spend our hour, hour and a half, whatever it is, you know, two hours if we have a Bible study or whatever, and then we leave and we don't talk to these people for a week unless you're really good friends with them. Right. And that's something that I, I definitely see that's missing in a lot of churches. Now, you know, we've been going to university Lutheran chapel, um, for about a month on and off. Um, you know, the story, I'm not, that's not my story to tell, but (laughs) You know, but we walked into that church and it's just like we've been there for a while. I mean, you know, my wife has ran ran into people she knows. I can't take her anywhere, church or not, without her <laughs> running into somebody. Um, yeah, she's definitely a more social butterfly than I am. But I mean, it's just there's something in that church. Like I was there Sunday at the nine forty five service, and it was standing room only. And I know you've been in this in their sanctuary, so you know there was a lot of people there. Yeah. yeah. So there, you know, there's a community there that that's and that's what that's what one thing I love. One of the many things I love about Family of God, too, even though we we have our challenges with with our people, <laughs> um, it, but it's a community. You know, whether yeah. they're coming in just to eat. Whether they're going to come in and stay for a Bible study, whether they're regulars or not, you know that's something I miss. In part of part of it is you know I miss from being in the military. Um, yeah, but that's what I think we need as a church whole, the visible church. We need to get back to. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. It's what to 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 your point. What we've. Um, the whole like you show up to church and then you you leave right it's it's almost to a point where i think the major i don't i don't i don't want to put a percentage on it but i would say that the majority of people who view church as just like an active like a sunday morning activity or a sunday evening activity or a saturday evening activity or whatever um i i think what you find and I'm sure that you probably experienced because you've this you've been to a number of different churches over the course of of your life, and including Family of God. And it's I, I noticed this the other day when I went I went shopping for a family um, that didn't have much for Thanksgiving, and so I ran to the store on the night before Thanksgiving, uh, which was a really silly idea because <laughs> there was nothing left as far as the store for the, you know, Thanksgiving trimmings and stuff, but managed to manage to put, you know, a, a, a decent meal together for this family. But, um, I, when I was at the store right next, right next to family of God, there's a little, there's a little supermarket. And, um, I was, you know, I'm, I'm going and I'm looking at the stuff and I'm looking at the different stuff that I can get for this family. And, um, all of a sudden I hear someone say, pastor, and it was it was a it was a, a couple and their kids that were there that usually come to the family of God and they weren't there that night because they were getting ready for the for the next day. I don't know exactly where they were going, but it's almost weird, I think, when people see their church family outside of the church. And so when you yep. bump into somebody 
at the grocery store that's a member of your church and you're like, hey, like I don't usually see you outside of church. I'm like, yeah, that's because we don't do things together outside of church. And right. uh, one of the things that I've really appreciated about uh, my mom and dad's church, uh, their pastor has really, um, really pushed the last, uh, he's been there for, oh gosh, I think it's been two, I want to say two years. Matt, if you happen to listen, and it's more than two years, I'm sorry, but it's, uh, it's been roughly two years or so. And um, one of the things that he's really been pursuing has been, okay, we're going to have these um, not, I don't know if he calls them community groups, but it's like, he has like divided his congregation into like, okay, so my mom and dad live in this area, right? In mm -hmm. this zip code, in this area. Then there's a couple other people that are in the church that are also in that area. And then they're on the other side of town, there's this family and there's a couple other families around them. And so he encourages them to get together outside of the church, even if right. it's just once a month. And then they rotate like, okay, so my mom and dad are going to host this month. And then this family is going to host the next month. And then this family is going to host the next month. And so you, you're getting together outside of the church. Yeah, where so it, it, you, It's kind of like small groups. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's more, it's more than just that. So it's like there, cause I think sometimes when we think small groups, like, all right, we're going to come together, we're going to have dinner, we're going to have Bible study right. and then leave. Right. So like, there's almost like a, almost like a structure to it that we have to keep. Whereas yeah. I think what, what pastor Matt is pushing with, with that is, you know what the, the Bible study and everything like, yeah, that's great. And that's essential. And we want that to be a part of it, but we also want you guys to hang out and throw cornhole bags or we want right. you to well, you know my, my mom and dad have a big bonfire pit that they throw out in the garage and they all sit around it and like yeah, and it, so, it, it kind of goes back to the the example in acts when they talk about you know the apostles meeting together and you know yes they worshiped they prayed but they also broke bread they ate yeah i mean that's you know, hanging out again, and doing life together. That's right. That's we've what, talked yeah. about, you know, again, we've talked about this on and off, you know, in other aspects of the church in the light of Acts. I mean, we've really talked about that probably what in the last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's again, that's a lot of what I've been missing. You know, I've been involved in small groups and, and they've been great, both inside, you know, my home church. And, you know, a group of, of friends of ours who come from different denominational backgrounds, mm -hmm. and they're really good friends of ours. And unfortunately, the group, we kind of dissolved it this year because it kind of ran its, um, the actual small group ran its course. Yeah. Um, but we're still good friends with them. We still meet with them. It's, you know, my wife's best friends, you know, and her husband and, and whatever. But and we still, when we get together, we still end up talking about theological things and mm -hmm. life and all that. But it's, that's what we got to get back to. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. And you know that. I come up <laughs> with all these great ideas. And especially when I say something to Pastor Jim, he kind of looks at me sometimes like I'm a nuts. <laughs> but, You're not the only one. <laughs> right. But. I mean, that's just, that's where my heart has been kind of leaning, I guess, in the last year, maybe two years since, you know, since I went into recovery and I, I you know, the Holy Spirit, I don't want to say I've, I've started changing my focus, but the Holy Spirit has guided me to look at different things. Um. And that's one thing that I that I really miss. I mean, I know I, I've seen, like I said, I've seen 
the spirit worked in and out of my life numerous times. I mean, when I was a member of Guardian, because we had the school there, I've seen people all the time in and out of in and out of church, you know. Right. But we were at sporting events, we we're at school event, whatever. Um, but I never had outside of maybe a very small handful, never had relationships with people that went any deeper than had anything to do with guardian as a church or guardian as a school. Mm -hmm. And for somebody that has gone through some of the stuff I've gone through, and matter of fact, uh, my wife and I talk about this all the time, by nature, I'm a loner. I've always been that way. Um, a lot of it has to do with things that have happened throughout my 59 years of life with relationships and being burnt and not trusting people and whatever. But for me, just especially with the way Di is, I mean, she's got all kinds of really strong friendships that some of them have been friends for 30 years or yeah. longer. Like mm -hmm. we just, you know, I told you, we just took this trip down to Tennessee to, for her birthday last, not this past weekend, the weekend before, to see a friend of hers from high school, which I have a connection to as well. But to see, they haven't seen each other in five years, and they may only talk, you know, maybe once or twice a year, if that, and then other than commenting on Facebook posts or whatever. Right. But, you know, we got there at 2 o'clock in the morning, and they picked up just like they'd seen each other last week or the week yeah. before. Yeah. And that's something that's always been missing in my life. I mean, I, I'm lucky, though, to count people like you, like Pastor Jim, like Nick, um, and a few other people that, you know, I have that depth of a relationship. You and I spend what? Every, just about every Tuesday and Thursday, we spend an hour, maybe, if we're not interrupted, right? Um, sitting in the office just talking. And it's whether I have to get something off my chest or you want to talk, whatever, or we're just right. joking around. But that's one thing, again, and not to, to beat a dead horse, so to speak, but that's what I think is missing in our churches. We get to the point where uh, Pastor Jim, he comes to the office, he's like, hey, um, it's it's time to go out on the floor. <laughs> so he, <laughs> right. He has to come out here. I'm like, oh, okay. I, yeah. I know. It's like, do and, we have uh, to? It's like, right. It's like, well, I mean, it, part of it's because like, you know, we're, we're enjoying the, the conversation when, right. you know, and you're, you're mentoring me just as much as I'm able to mentor you. And I praise right. God for that. Um, well, and it's Ron, like, we've, we've always joked for the last 10, 10 or so years that we've known each other. And I mean, I knew, you know, you were still in college. When we met, and you had no clue what you were, you were still kind of meandering about aimlessly in life, so to speak. But you know, and we have that you know, friendship, we have that pastor layperson relationship, but we also have a familial, we've developed that familial relationship. Yeah. I mean, I know that you've in the letter that you wrote to the Sun, you know. Yeah, he's kind of like my second dad, and but you know that's the thing. I can tell you things, whether you you know, and you can do the same thing, whether we want to hear what you have, each other has to say or not. Right. You know, so that's but that's you know again, I think we need to we need to encourage pastors and lay leaders and just lay people in the church to 
realize that, you know, we're not just a every Sunday family. We are the family of God because we're baptized into Christ and we are God's children. So that makes us, you know, we throw around, and we don't do it so much in the Lutheran church, but I know the Baptists and some of the other non-doms and whatever, they refer to each other as brothers and sisters. Right. You know, and we need to remember that. Yeah. I, I think what, one of the things that, to, to your point too, the the reason, because I, I think when, I know you've you've seen this. You've been involved with the family of God for at least at least ten years because you were. I think you were. Were you involved before I got there? We so got like, there like about the bit. same time because okay. you know, not within a month or so of each other. Yeah, because um, so, we both got the same welcome from Tina. What are you doing here? Who are you? Yeah, what the heck? Who are you? And what are you doing here? And now we can't. Now we can't get rid of her. I, right. <laughs> <laughs> what I, what I was gonna say is I, I think you know to the point about um to the point of you know the whole family thing I mean the people that that enter through the doors of the family of God they sometimes they they know more about they they certainly know more about each other than we do which is helpful in certain situations when you're trying to get to the bottom of a certain situation or you're trying to you know, you're trying to offer counseling and you're trying and you need a little more light of a certain situation. And a lot of other people can help do that. And very often, I think they're they're very excited to tell you what uh, what's going on in someone else's life. And they can't wait to to tell you about those kinds of things. But I think at the at the end of the day, though, when you spend that much time together and the people that come to the family of God, the people, especially the people that come five and six days a week. I mean, that's they're not they're not just showing up on Sundays. They're there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right. and Friday. And so they, that is their family for the, for the, especially in a neighborhood like that, where uh, families are, you know, they're, I mean, they're for lack of a better term, they're, they're just, there is no, they don't have a family. They don't have the same kind of uh, family that, that I do. Yes. They, they know who their mom or dad is, but they don't see them regularly. Yes. They, they're, they, interact with their with their children but they're not regulars yes they have they have um they have friends but they don't see their friends or they don't um you know so like their their family lives their regular day-to-day lives are not the same as what yours and mine is and so the family of god and the people that they come to church with people that they eat with the people that they (laughs) people that they drink with the people that they do their drugs with i mean it it sounds really weird but like that's their family and so these are the people that have shown that they in their weird way shown that they love them and so i mean the the homeless community i've i've said this um whenever i get the opportunity to speak at congregations the homeless community um and the the drug community i i mean there's a there's a point where we i think can actually learn from that to a point of to the point of being together and doing life together and right. so there's something that we can learn from the community in southwest detroit which is togetherness um now we're we're certainly we're not going to go you know shoot dope together and we're not going to go and you know drink ourselves silly you know together but um you know the reason that they know so much about each other is because they've done and they've struggled and they've suffered together. And I think that there's well, something to be said about right. that. Right. And you just, you hit that key point. And I was thinking about this as you were talking is, it's that shared suffering mm-hmm. again, to go back to talking about vets, especially 
you know, vets that have seen combat or you've yeah. gone through some real tough stuff together, or, or you even think about, you know, things that we see in our normal life, you know, when you, when you're going through a tough time or suffering, I mean, who do you go to? You want to go to people that understand or have right. a shared experience. It might not be the exact same, mm-hmm. but it's that shared suffering. Um, and again, taking it back to the church, I mean, early church, you see that in, you know, with the apostles. I mean, they they stayed together when, you know, when John and Peter were told, hey, don't preach anymore. Right. What'd they do? They went out and did it more. Right. And that and that's the thing, you know, through, you know, through suffering together or having shared experience. And I mean, over the last year and a half, two years for me, um, at the family of God, I mean, it's, it, it's been really good for me because especially after I showed that podcast that I was on earlier in the year and sees everybody, everybody's eyes open up like, Oh, he does understand. Right. You know, when you're transparent with them. So that's part of it. You know, you you build that bond, whether you're sitting in a foxhole with somebody sitting on the street corner, getting drunk, whatever. But if you can sit there and say, hey, I understand and actually be transparent about it. And loving and understanding, that's how those bonds are built. Yeah. And Ron, you've got a you have a. Yeah, you've alluded to a lot of different things, um, and I, I kind of want you to talk a little bit about it to the point. I mean, to the to the extent of what you want to talk about it. But you talked about the the bonding of recovery, and uh, one of the things that now that you're at Family of God, you come down to the Family of God two two times a week, um, three times if we if we need you. And one of the things that I think that a lot of the men in particular have um, that they've gravitated towards you because you do know you you're not just you're not like me where you're like yeah you know what like you know let me let me walk with you through your addiction but you're like no i can walk with you through an addiction because i've been there and so would you spend a little bit of time just talking through kind of what that looked like what your recovery has looked like and where and where you've seen your faith in that as well and how you know how that's gotten you through some of those really tough times, especially, uh, you know, as a, as a man in recovery, kind of when you, when you're, when you hit those points where you're tempted to, you know, something happens and you're like, man, I could really, I could really, you know, it'd be really easy for me to fall off at this moment. Kind of where, where you, where you've seen God work in that part of your life and what, how important just your faith has been as you've gone through your recovery. Can you speak a little bit to that? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm going to give a little bit of background on that without going too deep. Um, I mean, I have my different opinions on addiction. To say that science is wrong, mm-hmm. not to say that psychology is wrong or or whatever, but um, I come from a family of alcoholics. Um, my dad was one. My dad quit drinking when I was thirteen or fourteen. 
and he passed away while going on, it'll be seven years um, in January. So from about 1978 till he passed away seven years ago, he was sober. Um, with me, I mean, obviously part of it was, yeah, I drank in high school, like, you know, like everybody did, even though I went to a Lutheran high school, I mean, we still had our parties and whatever. You um, stop that. Lutheran schools are in a bubble. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love them. I love I them. I do too. Yes, I do but, too. Um, anyways, but my drinking really ramped up when I went to the military, shockingly. And I went like this for 30, 40 years of, you know, in and out of drinking heavy, not drinking, whatever. Um, and I can see now clearly how it affected my life. Um, being, in the, being in the military, you know, it's kind of like going to college. Um, had my faith, was really strong in my faith when I graduated and eventually kind of left and then went back to the church and then kind of left, went back. And then I was really involved heavily for a long time, um, which led to me being involved in family of God, but I was still in and out of drinking. Sometimes I drink, sometimes I wouldn't, but the last, since about 2015, Maybe a little earlier when I came back from deployment. I mean, I didn't have, I had a hard deployment, but it wasn't combat hard. It was emotionally, mentally, physically, uh, psychologically rough on me. Um, and it was kind of toxic at some points too. And then we came back and just work and I wasn't, I wasn't okay. Wouldn't admit it. And then we'd been back a couple years, and then things started happening at home, and things weren't good. Um, I'm not, I don't really want to go down that trail too far. And I didn't handle things right, and my ex didn't, and we ended up separating, or I ended up started drinking a little bit more, and um, and then I lost a really good friend to suicide. Um, he was my, I spent. Every day for almost two years um, with this man. Um, he was my men one of my mentors. He was a friend. He was a leader. And none of us saw it coming. And I would talk to this guy. And usually when, he, when we got back from deployment, I went to a different unit. He went to a different unit. But we were in the same building on, on drill weekends. And if I saw him... And I knew I'd lose an hour of my day because he'd call me in the office to talk. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't about, you know, he'd ask me things about going on because he trusted my opinion. But we had that friendship. And I knew there was something going on. I mean, he was always a little, I don't know, people say he was bipolar. I didn't, don't want to say he was. But he could flip that switch like that. Yeah, but we all missed it, and he disappeared for five <laughs> days before they found him. And I took uh -huh. that really me and one of my friends that I'm still really friends with. She's another one of my mentors. Matter of fact, I still call her the boss. <laughs> um, we both, along with a lot of people, took that very hard, and I yeah. went into a spiral. And then 
with everything that was going on, you know, in my marriage and, and I ended up separating and, and whatever, um, I started drinking more, you know, cause I was alone. And then, um, I re-met my wife. I mean, you know, that story, we went to high school together. Um, that that's a whole funny story for a different, <laughs> you know, when I decided just out of being a friend, because I was friends with her brother. I've been right. friends with her brother for forty some years since we were in high school. Shout out to Randy. Yes, um, Pastor Dunk, Pastor Duncan. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, she put out on Facebook that she was look. You know, her daughter had got married or was getting married and wanted to. Kate, you know, she wanted to throw this reception and, you know, didn't have a whole lot of money to hire a caterer. And I'm like, well, I'll do it. I was kind of serious and kind of joking you know about 50 50 on that one and then she goes well what are your what are your credentials well i've been in the restaurant business for a very long time i'm a decent cook and know how to do catering and stuff like that so i ended up doing that and that's when we became friends so that eventually turned into a, a relationship and whatnot and then one night i had too much to drink and did and said some dumb things and we kind of went our separate ways for a couple months and I quit drinking for a while those couple months and then I started back up and then fast forward to 2020 when COVID hit and I was still in the military we were working seven days a week you know 12 15 longer days um the joke was is you know, we never drank at work, but, you know, we were all functional. We turned into functional alcoholics. And, I mean, you know, that happened to a lot of people during the lockdown. Um, matter of fact, uh, I went in a couple months ago to buy something at a, at a store where we used to go in and buy our wine and beer and everything else. And they're like, where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, the joke was like. You know, I damaged their bottom line. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, it, it got out of control. Um, and then when I retired, what's today? The 12th? Yeah, it literally three years ago today was the last day I put my uniform on. Okay. Um, I started my terminal leave. I had four months of terminal leave before I actually retired. Um, that was the benefit of COVID because I couldn't take any leave time. So I got to save up a whole bunch of leave. So I finished my career like four months early. Well, I just got into that addiction cycle. Now, again, I didn't drink every night, but I'm a binge drinker or mm -hmm. was a binge drinker. And it came to a head about two years ago. Um, and some things happened that I, you know, I don't want to get into, but it damaged every relationship that I have with my family, with my children, um, almost cost me my marriage. Um, I had to step away from family of God for a while. Um, you know, and I did that earlier, you know, when I was going through some of these other problems too, which kind of leads me to what I've been, you know, working on now and studying now about spiritual warfare. I mean, then you talk about, and I want to get into that later, but how God works, um, in teaching you and, certain things but my brother told me after that event happened that 
he's like, dude, you need to quit drinking. You need to go into rehab. And I did begrudgingly. <laughs> um, and that was 701 days ago. And I have not had a drop. I have not drank, have not even, I mean, I've had two and two or maybe three instances where I've been tempted and that you alluded to it. It was event based. Kind of like a trigger uh, where you just. It was like a trigger. I, yeah. uh, one of what, two of which I actually pulled into a bar parking lot, but didn't get out of my car. One, I went in to a bar and a case of the, I won't say the word, but what hmm. they call them recovered, something it starts with an app. Because <laughs> um, I, I didn't think anybody cared. And then I literally sat at this bar, ordered a drink. But didn't touch it. Yeah. Um. And I truly, truly believe, one hundred percent, because I don't go to meetings. My meetings, and I've said this before. I've told you, and I've told other people that my meetings are going to Family of God. Yeah. That's where I go. Um. I don't go to AA. I started going to Celebrate Recovery. Had some issues with it doctrinally. Um, not that it's not a good program. It is a really good program. It's just there's some things doctrinally that I couldn't ju- right. I couldn't just flesh it out. Right for, it wasn't right for it wasn't you. Right for me. Yeah. So, but it's only by the grace of God that I'm still not drinking. I don't. That strength doesn't come from me. I mean, I do know if I went back to drinking, I do know what it would cost me even over and above what my drinking already cost me. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I thank God daily, you know, sometimes in very long wordy prayers or whatever, but sometimes I just look up to heaven and say, thank you. Yeah. Um, and then I see people all the time now that, you know, it's like, holy crap. I see what alcohol is doing to their lives. I see what, you know, other drugs are doing to their life. Um, Not just that family of God, but in other places, it's just like, I want to reach into those people's lives, but at time, you know, you got to pick and choose your battles sometimes. Um, Because the worst thing you could do is somebody that's in the throes of addictions, walk up to them and say, hey, you're an addict. You're an alcoholic. You need to stop. You know, because they're not going to. They're going to look at you like, well, no, I'm not. Who right. are you to say that? You know, right. so, but that's, you know, I see God and how God has worked. Um, I mean, typically on a Friday night, I'm just like every night in the week, I'm in bed by 10. <laughs> and normally I'm up by six. Yeah, And it's great getting up on the weekends and not being hungover. Right. Not feeling bleh. You know, and it helps, you know, every aspect of my life, going back to the gym, you know, um, other things I'm involved in outside of family of God, you know, even being able to, to do some of the studies I've, I've been trying to do, my deacon classes, things like that. I have a hard time focusing normally because I've never been diagnosed with it, but I do know I have a form of ADD. I mean, you've seen it. I can't sit still very long. Um, anyways, but I also have 
a mild form, a very mild form of dyslexia. Normally, it's not so much letters that get flipped around, but it's numbers in combinations. So sometimes I get frustrated um, when I'm reading or whatever. So I don't spend hours and hours and hours. That's why I'm struggling in Greek, because my brain just doesn't work that way. But I see being being in recovery and being sober has opened up so many different things in my life that I never thought. I don't miss drinking. I don't miss. Every once in a while, I'm like, oh, man, it would be nice to have a drink. You know, like like yesterday, Di and I went out on one of our day dates. It was just something we always do. It was just, just spontaneous. And we went out to lunch. Mm-hmm. Went to, you know, an Irish um, Irish pub in Plymouth that we normally go to. It's like, oh, man, you know, it would be nice to be able to have a drink. You know, a shot of Jameson, what you know, an Irish beer or whatever. But then I sit there and think, I'm like, you know, it ain't worth it. I don't miss yeah. it. So, and I mean, that's all by the grace of God. I mean, if it, if it weren't for my faith, if it weren't for where he's guided me to family of God, I mean, it, it's funny. I have literally, what, six pastors <laughs> that I'm intimately friends with. I never would have thought that as a layperson in my life. That I have six pastors that I can just, I can consider friends, but I can also, if I'm struggling, I can go to and talk to. And that's just how God, I mean, how God works in our lives when we finally, and it's taken me a long time, and it's only been in the last, really, what, three months since I got that email from St. Louis? Mm-hmm. It's only been three months where I've actually realized it's like, you know what? I don't have to try. You know, God is going to guide me and do what he wants through me and put me where he wants. And that, and I'm fine with it. And being sober, I would never realize that. Yeah. I think one of the things too, Ron, and I, I praise God for everything that you're saying. Um, Cause I, I've seen, I've seen a change in you, uh, especially over the last, the last couple of months in particular, but uh, since the, you said what 701 days, right? So yep. 701 days ago. Um, I mean, I, your, your drinking has never directed, you know, Im- impacted me directly. Like I've never, you've never, you know, gone off on one of your, uh, on like an angry tangent or said anything, you know, to me that's been regrettable or anything like that. Um, I've not experienced like that, but I, I have seen just a, a change in your attitude, I think towards life, towards your, towards your family, towards your, towards your kids, towards, uh, all for the positive, towards the church, towards, you know, you want to throw yourself into the family of God. You want to throw yourself into not just, not just our ministry, but, um, I want, I want you to talk a little bit about the, um, what's the, the name of the ministry that you're doing with the horses and oh, uh, well, Freedom that, River. That, right? wasn't, that wasn't, that was a <laughs> equine therapy I went through. Right. But that was, but that, but like getting involved in something like that and your, your passion for, for helping others, your passion for, uh, not just helping others that are in recovery, but just your passion for ministry. I mean, the, the things that you're talking about at the beginning of when we started recording was, you know, how you want to, you want to bring people together and you want the church not to just be this Sunday morning gathering. Like, I, I don't know, like you, you weren't really talking like that outside of, you know, 
since, you know, 701 days ago. Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit, but like that's become a, a like a bigger passion of yours, I think, within the last within the last two years or so. And um, I, I again, I, I praise God for that. And one of the things that I've when I when I knew that you were a you were a changed man um, was when we were sitting in the office. And we had just shown up at, you had just shown up at Family of God, Pastor Jim and I were talking and, uh, and we're, you know, kind of getting caught up on the day and kind of getting, giving everyone their assignments, kind of a deal and kind of just, here's what's been going on the last couple of days, you know, just kind of getting everything up to speed on, on the week and in walks, in walks a gentleman, uh, reeking of booze. And I'm sure you remember, and he sits down oh, right yeah. next to you. <laughs> he sits down right next to you. And, and Pastor J- Jim starts going like this. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> I know. Well, I know where you're going with it. Part of that's because he loves you, and he's and he was, you know. So we talked with this with this guy, and to, and to your point, you know, going up to this to this guy and saying, you know what, you're an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic, you need to get help, and that, how that's not the approach because one of the things that he was saying to us over and over and over again, Pastor, you you need to help me get a job. You need to help me get a house. You need to help me get this. All I need is this. All I need is this. And he's he's saying it through, you know, slurred language. And, and, and we were just talking with them about like, okay, well, we can, we have those resources. We know people that can, that can get, get you a job. We know programs that can, that can um, get you a, get you a house. We know all of these resources. However, we, we need to address another issue. And, uh, and he just was not willing to address that issue. Hasn't been able to address that issue. But anyway, so that conversation goes on for half hour, 40 minutes. And, after he leaves, you know, he, he got mad because we didn't give him what he wanted. And he, so he, he left. And so after that, Jim looks at you and he says, so how was that for you? Because I could smell him. <laughs> Tyler can definitely smell him. And it's like, and he was sitting right next to you. So like how, and so he looks to you and says, so how was that for you? Um, being around somebody who was reeking of booze, who was heavily under the influence does that have any, did that, was that a trigger for you? And you said, you, yeah, I mean, you were just like, no, it wasn't. Um, and that was just like, okay, like that was, I, I'm always, I'm always concerned. I think that's, that might be why we don't have, because there's, there's been a guy that I know, I'm sure you know who he is. Um, I won't say his name just for the sake of privacy, but um, he's a, he's a guy who's, who's also in recovery and has said multiple times, whenever I see him, I got to get down to the family of God. I got to get down to the family of God because I really want to help. I really want to help. But I think that, I think he's afraid to come down to the family of God because he's, I think he, I think he's going to, I think he thinks he's going to be triggered because he's around other people who have been drinking. And so I, I guess that's kind of been my concern with you, but you've been, You've been so good with that, and again, you hit you hit the nail on the head. This is Christ's strength in you that, in the Holy Spirit in you that is that has taken away that that temptation, that has taken away those you know that and allowed you to be in a in a immersed, not just you know around, but I mean immersed in a culture and in a in a neighborhood that has been ravaged by drugs and alcohol, and you haven't wavered. You've, you've been actually, you've been so helpful for so many people to be able to talk through their recovery. And, um, can you like, is that, is, would you say that's accurate that like, it, this is just, it's just been it's, it, no other, it no other explanation outside of the Holy spirit being able to and, interact with folks like that. And that, and that is truly it. I mean, um, you know, I do a lot of dumb things. I say a lot of dumb things. I'm still working <laughs> through 
a lot. I mean, you know, you had um, when you had that podcast when Donovan was on, you know, I couldn't wait for that one, you know, because he, his history. And so I take what he says a lot, you know, very, very seriously on both what he talked to you about and on both of his podcasts. Um, And I can't wait for his book to come out. But that's the thing. It's not me. That is all Christ. I come home. There's days I don't want to go down. I I just don't want to go down. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know you've, I know you understand that. Join the club. But I could be in the worst (laughs) of moods. And I go down there. And even if it's not a night I teach, even if it's just on a Thursday, um, and I come home 90% of the time, 99% of the time, re-energized. Um, but, yeah, it's it's the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I remembered that. And, it, like I said, I know Jim was sitting there shifting uncomfortably, and it wasn't the conversation we were having with him. I, you know, I now that, you know, after we talked, I knew it was because he felt uncomfortable for me and was worried for because he even tried to chase me out of the office. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> um so no it wasn't a trigger for me it wasn't it was i genuinely wanted to pour into this man i wanted to help him knowing that he's almost there right he's about that far mm-hmm. from hitting his bottom and realizing oh crap i got to do something but he's not um and again, some people get it. Some people never, never. I mean, we see that all the time with people, <clears throat> but it's just, and sometimes, you know, I'm still new, still new to it. Um, sometimes I put the cart before the horse or open mouth, insert foot, <laughs> but that's, you know, I have very few outside of, my marriage, you know, wanting restoration in my life, I have very few passions. I have, you know, and family of God and helping those there and the veteran stuff that I'm involved in. Those are the things that with that right now, that's where my passions lie in my life, you know. Things being the way they are right now and, and situations, you know, I can't fully do it. But this has got, I feel stronger. This is God preparing me. Um, I've been in the deacon program for quite a while. I'm one of the longest running students right now. And I'll finish in the fall. I mean, I thought I was going to finish in the spring, but they had to rework the schedule for, for some reasons because uh, instructors weren't available when they thought they were going to be. Yeah. But that's one of my goals is to finish the program. Um, you know, we joke around and I know Pat and, and Paul and me all complain to you guys. I mean, I'm, we're all struggling in Greek. Um, Greek's not easy, but I want to finish this program, not just to say, Hey, I'm done, not to be a licensed deacon, but to learn. And then yeah. I know, you know, once I finish that, that, 
there's more learning to do. But once I'm done, I can start learning more into working with um, those that want to get into recovery, those that are in recovery, both at Family of God and, you know, in the veteran community once we get Freedom River up and running. Um, I mean, that's what I pray where God's leading me, whether or not, you know, the old joke is, yeah, you know, you want to see God's sense of humor, tell him your plans. <laughs> right. And I've seen that over and over in my life, but that's just where my heart is right now. Yeah. Um, and so, no, I don't get triggered by being around. I mean, I can even be around people that are drinking. Yeah. I mean, now if they're getting slobber knockered and going over, you know, you know, to excess, then I get a little uncomfortable. Yeah. But, you know, for somebody to sit down and have a beer um, and we're sitting down at dinner or whatever, that doesn't bother me. I mean, but again, it's it's the grace of God. It's the Holy Spirit, you know, and yeah. that's and that's that's all I can say. I mean, I can't take one iota of credit for it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's made me realize a lot of stuff in my life that I've got to clean up. Um, you know, you know, I made a lot of mistakes in my past. Some of that, those mistakes I'll never be able to correct, but I have enough faith in God that, you know what, eventually he's going to work in my life to his glory. And at some point, and again, I know this is shocking in, in Lutheran terminology, but eventually, whether it's while I'm alive or after God calls me home, somebody's going to see me and the work that God's done in my life, and God's going to be able to use that to further his kingdom. Yeah, You know, even if it's only one person. And that's and that's just the way I look at life now. I mean, yeah, I get frustrated. I get, you know, depressed. I mean, I don't go into those, you know, highs and lows like I used to. But I also know that, you know, Satan's attacking me. And we've talked about this. If he's not going to attack me directly, he's going to attack my wife, my family, my friends, family mm-hmm. of God, whatever to get to me. And that's why I've been going down this road of really getting into studying spiritual warfare and, you know, Ephesians, you know, especially the armor of God and, you know, knowing that our battle is not necessarily flesh and blood, but it is spiritual. And that spiritual uses physical means. And, but I also know that the battle's already been the war's been won, right. and you know I've been in the military. I spent twenty years, twenty plus years in the military. I understand warfare theoretically, <laughs> but um, so I see it, and that's that's all I can say is God is is He's put that hedge of protection around me when it comes to alcohol, and. You know, I just I I try to pull as many people into that. <laughs> sometimes I succeed, sometimes I don't. But it's all right. preparation for God's going to do something, and I just don't know what it is yet. Yeah. Do you 
So I, I know that a lot of, a lot of people think differently about this. I'm curious. I don't think I've ever actually asked you this. Um, so you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, pastor Riley, who's on the, on our, on our podcast for, he was, that was earlier this summer, later in the, later in the summer, I think is what it was. And as a recovering addict, and yes, he has a, a book coming out called the theology, theology of addiction. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure when that's coming out, but I've told him multiple times. I'm like, I can't wait to get my hands on that. And I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that maybe he'll send 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 me a copy early, but we'll see. <laughs> maybe, but uh, shout um, out to Pastor Riley. <laughs> yes, yeah. But one of the things that he was talking about was, you know, as a pastor, especially as one who's been charged with uh, distributing the elements, and one of the things that he was very adamant about in his various podcasts, and I know I've heard him talk about this multiple times. Um, a lot of people will say that. Uh, an addict should not take the wine at the Lord's Supper if they're truly an addict. And he does not agree with that at all. And I don't either. Um, but I'm just curious kind of what your thought is as a as a man in recovery. When you take the Lord's Supper, like how does do you do you reach for the non-alcoholic wine or do you take the or do you take the cup? Now, I'll tell you this. I, I agree with you and Pastor Riley. Um, and I know full well if I was going to meetings and I admitted this, I'd have to every Sunday that I took the supper, I'd have to reset my clock. Mm-hmm. Um, I take the one. My whole reason behind that and, you know, I don't believe God is going to use the sacrament or allow the sacrament for me personally, I can't, and I will not speak to it for but the body and his blood to lead me into sin. Um, and that's just the way I look again, it goes, it, it, it's a means of grace that his, his blood was shed for me. Right. That his blood is in with and under the wine. And that's a foretaste of the feast to come. I read a book and it was a book that Pastor Jim um, told me to read early on when I was in recovery. And I did a study on it for what a couple months. It's called the Ragamuffin Gospel. And I cannot think of the author's name. Um, And he was a a former Catholic priest who didn't necessarily convert or become Lutheran, but he found and discovered a lot of the Lutheran theology going through recovery. Mm-hmm. And he made a comment in the book, and I'm going to paraphrase it, talking about, you know, how Christ talks about the feast in heaven. And the food and the wine and all that. And he says, and for a recovering alcoholic, that is something that is both a struggle, but yet a great anticipation when we are in the presence of Christ in heaven and being able to partake of the feast because um, we don't have to fear it. Right. So for me, it's not even an afterthought or even a forethought when I'm like yesterday, when I went up for communion, 
I know that God is using this, you know, for forgiveness of my sins, for restoration, for strength, and like I said, for as a foretaste of mm-hmm. what's to come when we're when we're with Christ. So I don't for me personally again, I don't worry about it. It's not even a it, it's not even a thought in my head. So that's just the way I that's the way I look at it. I mean, yeah. and you know, we do it down in, in at Family of God. And I mean, it's just for me, it's you know, God's God works through his sacrament. Right. And is not gonna allow Satan, at least in my life, and again, I can't speak for anybody else, but he's not gonna let Satan even come in a crack when it comes to that. Now, outside of that, you know, it's fair game, but right, you know, right. and again, I don't struggle, but that's that's just the way I look at that the Lord's Supper. Well, I think at the end of the day, too, um, I agree with everything you're saying. I think um it's a it's a personal basis, right? If if one like one person who's in recovery can take can take the the blood of Christ and and not and not um not flinch at all and trust in those words. And not to say that they're not trusting if they don't. Uh I think that it's just it's extra caution and I respect that and I honor that. Um you know, our folks at the family of God, you know, there's a reason that we do in tincture, right? We take the, take the bread and we dip mm-hmm. it into the cup. And, you know, so just, there's a little bit of, a little bit of the, the trace of the, of the wine on the bread then. But I think, you know, if someone's in recovery, I think what they would need to hear from their pastor, it's, it's, it's not, it's not poor pastoral care to say, oh, you're a recovering alcoholic. So I'm not going to tempt you with, with this because, our theology of the Lord's Supper is that you you said it. You said this is the true blood of Christ. And so if we are consuming the blood of Jesus, to suggest that that is tempting somebody to sin would suggest that God is tempting us. And that's that completely contradicts scripture. God tempts no one. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it, it comes down to the point of what are you using the wine for? And so when we're using the wine as gift, which is what it is, it's God's means to give us forgiveness, to give us salvation, to give us holiness, to give us righteousness. And that's the purpose of, of that's the use of the wine at the Lord's Supper is to give that gift to you that God desires to give to you. And so that, and that's it. So then the using, using of that for that is, good, pure, and holy. And I really believe that you won't be tempted in that. Now, like you said before, if, you know, if there's a person that's up there, especially if they're, uh, if they're new in recovery and they're still kind of like, I'm not really sure about this, then it's, then it's good pastoral care to be like, okay, we have something else for you then. Um, we can, we can work around that, you know, take, take the, take the body, uh, take the, you know, if you want to take the non-alcoholic wine or if you don't want to take it at all and just take the bread, that's, that's also, that's also fine as well for, on, uh, for me. But, um, we've had people that have been, they're like, they're shocked when they find out that we serve wine at the table at family of God. They're like, wait a minute. Aren't like, aren't you trying to, aren't you trying to help these people on their, on their road to recovery? And I say, yes, but I also want them to know that they're forgiven. I want them to have something that they can reach out and cling to um, because we, 
as humans, we don't trust in God's promises just as a whole. We just don't because we're, we're poor sinners. And so we need to have those. And I really believe that God knows that God knows that we are creatures of wanting to have something to reach out and touch, wanting to have um, something that we can actually uh, quite literally sink our teeth into, right? You know, that phrase. And so he gives us baptism. He gives us the Lord's Supper. He gives us a person who stands there to speak the words of absolution over you. And so we need a physical means to attach the promises of God. And so God gives that to us because God is our provider. And so when you take, when you take something like wine, which has alcohol in it, uh, when you're when it's being used for the reason that God intended it, then it's not going to tempt you. It's when it's taken out of context, when it's when it's outside of that, when it's right. or, or, so that that I think that's where the difference is for me. And I yeah, and I just I just I, I know that there's a lot of people that that think differently about that, and that's fine. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. Uh, you know, sever any relationships because of that, nor am I going to say, well, you can't participate in the Lord's Supper if you don't want to, if you don't believe that. Um, there's other ways. If, if you really think that, if you really believe that, then we're going to tend to the conscience, so to speak, and um, remove that rock of stumbling. So, but if there's, if there's an alcoholic that's in our congregation or, you know, it says, I want, I want the wine because I want the blood of Jesus in me. Um, I'm going to say, oh, okay, then let's do that. That's, that's good. That's good, right and proper. Right. And, you know, now I'll go as far to say as, and, and I know we had this discussion in, in Greek class the other day, and I think you were in there for part of it, um, about how you, what we do with the elements, especially the wine, after communion on a Sunday. And I know different churches do different things, but I've also been in part of churches, and this was <laughs> when I was deployed. Um, for a while, I had a, a our chaplain on the base that I was in, I was an LCMS pastor. Well, <clears throat> it was a good thing that I was very, back then, I still had a very good grounding in our doctrine and stuff like that because he would actually chase me away from the Lutheran church, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but he had to, you know, because we couldn't have alcohol overseas except for communion. And he had to dispose of it, but because we were in an Islamic country, he was restricted on how he could do it. He could not pour it on the ground. Mm. He could not pour it down the drain. So he had to consume it. So he would, whatever's left in the chalice, he would have to consume. Now, I would not go as far as saying if, if we're at Family of God or another church, I would not empty the chalice. Um, because for me that that's opening myself up, but the little bit of wine that I get when I'm given the sacrament is not, you know, is not a stumble is, is not a stumbling block for me because I, like I said before, I believe it is, is Christ's true blood given and shed for me. Right. Um, well, so, it's paving it's paving the way for you to believe in those problems and to strengthen right. those, that that faith. So this is this is God's means that He has chosen, that He has instituted. Right? He has done all of this. I didn't. the The church fathers did not decide. Hey, we're going to use wine to do this. No, Jesus decided that He was going right. to use wine to do this. Right? <laughs> and so it, it's 
who who are we to 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 doubt that God wouldn't do that, right? That, that God right. would would allow for His gifts to be used in a in a in a way. Now we certainly do that, like we take it, but it's never outside of the of the Lord's Supper. It's it's when you get into those situations, right? When you're at the bar, when you're with your friends, and things like that, and. Um, I was just, right. I was just curious, man, like as a, as a, as a recovering alcoholic, I, I just, I'm just always curious on what other people think about that. You know, so. and, like, and like I said, if I was going to meetings and I said that I would get lambasted and I'd have to reset my clock right back to day so one be, again. So, you, so today you'd be one day sober. Correct. Yeah. But again, I don't believe that that's God's, you know, that's God's intent. So, well, that's why, and that's why, uh, AA meetings are, they're good and they're helpful for, for a lot of people. Um, but they don't have the, they don't have the, the theology is not as strong as I think is what it needs to be as far no. as, especially for a recovering alcoholic. That's also a Christian. So, yeah. And it's, um, and it's got, and it's gotten away from, you know, it's Christian quote unquote Christian roots. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that, that a is good for. I right. do know recovering addict or recovering alcoholics that go to two and three meetings a day and they've been in recovery for years. Right. Um, I know people that were going to celebrate recovery and going to AA, um, but they need it, you know, for whatever reason, you know, for me, like I said, and I said this in an interview, um, with, and I didn't know it at the time, the person was a recovering alcoholic, <laughs> um, that my meetings are, are family of God. And that person looked at me like I was nuts. Yeah. And then once I explained it, they understood what I meant and the fact that, no, I'm not white knuckling my recovery. I do right. have people that I can talk to if I need to. I don't have a sponsor per se. But I do have people that I can say, hey, I'm struggling. Yeah. You know, a lot, like I said, I have, God has brought and blessed me with a number of pastors in my life. Um, some I can be a little bit more open with, some I can't just because of the relationship or it's a new relationship or whatever. But I do have other people that I can talk to. Yeah. So it's, it's a, again, it all goes back to, to how God is working and how God allows us to be be the prodigal, so to speak. And this goes a lot to Pastor Gabe's sermon yesterday about the prodigal son and how he can allow us. And I and I know this isn't theologically correct, but you've heard me say it, how God will let us go and live our own life down our own trail and eventually to quote Baloo from Jungle Book, I'm gonna jerk a knot in your tail. And that's how God gets our attention. And you know, and then he rebuilds us. It's that you know day-to-day regeneration, that day-to-day sanctification, the power of the Holy Spirit. Am I a hundred percent? No. I mean I turn around and do and say things all the time. I'm like, man that was dumb or yeah, you know, I'll say something and it's like, okay, I need to repent like right now. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So, you know, that's the whole center saint dichotomy, you know, that, that we have, but 
And again, it goes into other parts, not just my recovery in other parts of my life. I mean, I've had to deal with a lot of other other things. You know, people call them demons. Um, mm-hmm. I do sometimes, but I also realize that they're just me being a center. Um, but I also realize, again, going into the 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 spiritual warfare stuff that I've been reading and studying that both, you know, scripture and, and commentaries and, and, and the like, but it's like, yeah, they're demons that Satan's trying to use the physical, you know, elements or people to try to knock me off my track, so to speak, mm-hmm. but God's not going to allow me, you know, I might step off, right? but Praise be to right God back. that He's right there to pull me right back on. Yeah. Um, so you know, when it comes to recovery, it's not just the stopping drinking. It's the I mean, one of the hardest things I've had to do, and I still haven't completely done it, is one of the steps in AA celebrate recovery or to do it more. Sitting down and trying to think about everything that you've done, right, hmm. wrong, and indifferent, and this is where Satan has a field day, Right, is hard. You know, it goes to the, you know, we have to do that, and we should do that in our normal lives anyways, not just if you're in recovery, because that's part of confession and repentance. Sure. You know, we, you know, we say it, sins we know and sins we don't, you know, we confess sins that known and unknown. <laughs> But Satan brings those real big ones up a lot. And I've had to struggle through a lot of that. Um, Things that I've done over the 59 years I've been on this earth. And I've done a lot of dumb things. I've done a lot of things that's like, you know what, that really, you know, if people would have looked at me and said, well, you're a Christian, but you're doing this. And I know people have done it. Mm-hmm. You know, people have, have pointed fingers at me and say, you know, you're not a Christian because you've done A, B, or C. And I'm like, well, you know what? It's affected my witness. It's affected my life, but I've repented of it. And God has forgiven me. Does that mean that the concept, there's not consequences to what I've done? Oh, yeah, I'm living, I'm living proof that there's consequences. I'm living through a lot of them right now. But the whole thing is is it's it affects every aspect of your life and that's why I, I love that god has brought me down 10 years ago kicking and screaming by the way <laughs> in the family of god and i didn't want to go i didn't want to go but <clears throat> to get to this point and that's why i love how god and i'm seeing how god's worked out through everything but again, through a lot of our, you know, our Lutheran theology on sin and repentance and confession and forgiveness and the the depth and, and richness of our theology that's rooted in Scripture that I would have never seen before. You know, I know we talk all the time and other people do, too. You know, you can read the same uh, again, I'll use the the parable of the uh, prodigal son. You know that that pastor gave at ULC preached on yesterday. 
I've I've done studies on it. I've come, you know, I did it over a couple weeks at at Family of God. I've heard you talk about it. I've heard Pastor Jim talk about it. I've heard other sermons and Bible studies on it, and everybody's got a different take. But that's the wonderful thing about the God that we serve is you can hear the same story over and over and over again and get something different out of it. And that's how God works in our lives. You know, I'm a prodigal. I admit it. I'm the guy that went out. You know, I didn't necessarily take our, my parents' inheritance, but I went <laughs> right. out on my own. I went to the Far East. I lived in the pig pen. You know, I did all that. And, but yet God has brought me home. Right. He brings me to himself. And does that mean that I'm still not covered with, with mud and gunk and, and, and everything else? Yeah, I still have mud and gunk, but I'm a baptized, baptized child of God. Mm-hmm. I've been washed clean. And that's why I know, that's another reason why I know, you know, in, in especially in our culture today and, and the premise of, you know, the Suffering Service podcast and what we see in the culture and, and well, God's not there. God's, you know, there's no God. He's just a myth. What, I see things so much clearer now just in my life and in other things that, you know what, what God says in his word, I see more clearly now that it's true. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of it is through my life, you know, and, you know, I've always gravitated to Peter and David because, you know, I suffered from some of the same foibles, you know, Peter, open mouth, insert foot, David, you know, just being headstrong and doing what he wants, whether it's, you know, going out and doing things that he's not supposed to be doing, being a murderer or whatever. I'm not saying that I, you know, committed the same kind of sins he did. He tried to, he tried to tell me something. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is, is even though he was a man after God's own heart, he still sinned. But God loved him enough that Christ came from his line, from his bloodline. Right. So I see how God works in every, in not just the, in the the men and and even women in Scripture, but how He does in our lives too. Yeah. And that's why He He brings people into our lives. I mean, I thank God for you know you guys down at Family of God. I thank God for the other people that He's brought into my life. I thank God for the struggles that I'm going through right now. I thank God every day for my wife. I mean, everything we went through, my wife probably should have left me. But we fought, we struggled, we and we trusted. And that's another reason why I know the promises of Scripture are true is because we put our faith and our trust in, in Christ, and he's gotten us this far. Now, it has, has the road been easy? Heck no. We still struggle. But our marriage is strong. Our love for each other is strong. The fact that we still like each other (laughs) is important. We had that conversation on the drive down to Tennessee, but, and we're both pointed in that we both know that we want to do what God wants us to do. 
Now, does that mean it's going to be easy? No, but. Well, I think you said, you know, with your with your struggles, you were like, you know, people say, you know, you're supposed to be a Christian. You're not supposed to do this that, and the other thing. And I think it's how can you be a Christian because of what you've done? Um, it's never about us. We're not Christians because of what we've right. done. We're Christians because of what Christ has done for us. And I think that that's, you know, David, David's a man after God's own heart, which I know a lot of people sometimes they grapple with a lot because that lives in that lives in tension. Right. David, a man who who pursued lust, a man who tried to cover up that lust with murder, a man who made countless, countless guffaws after another. I mean, just one, just one after another. Like, how can this man? Yeah, and look what it did to his family. Right, right, exactly. And the reason that David is called a man after God's own heart is because he knew where to go when he messed up, when he sinned, he knew, I mean, his, his, um, I, I don't want to call it his most egregious sins, but like his most egregious sin, right? The one that he's probably most known for is with David or was with Bathsheba and then Uriah, right? Mm-hmm. And so right after that, we we get one of the most beautiful Psalms and scriptures in Psalm 51, which is created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. He writes that after after right. he he commits those sins because he knows where to go. He knows that that the God that he serves is a God who is eager to forgive, a God who is eager to bestow upon his children the the gifts of of life and salvation. And so I think I think for you to be able to recognize that that yes, you've had, you know, and the the things that you've shared with me and the I mean, and we didn't even cover I mean we this is only we're only we've only been recording for an hour and twenty three minutes, but the things that that you have that you've shared here you know, that's, that doesn't even scratch the surface and the things that no. other people have shared on, on, you know, with their parts of their story that barely scratches the surface. I mean, it's only a, an hour, an hour to an hour and a half long conversation. So, um, but God is, has continuously pursuing us. And I think that that's so important This pursuing, you know, we're not pursuing God, God's pursuing us. And that's a continuous thing for us. And I, I think you're right when you say, you know, when we wander, when we stray, God, God lets us do that so that he can bring us back, <laughs> right? He lets yeah. us fall into those things, not because he wants to, to, you know, have this big smear campaign of his, of his children, but because he wants to, 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 to bring us back and to bestow upon us those, those gifts and those promises. And so, right. and um, it's, and it's for his glory, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's for our benefit you know, on our salvation and, and, but ultimately it's his glory. Right. And so Ron, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your morning to, to be on the show. Uh, I'm, I'm praying that, that someone will listen. Like you said, even if it's just one, right. If it's just one, that's what, one of the things that, uh, uh, that our good friend uh, Donovan Riley said on his on his podcast after he recorded with me, he said, even if it's just one person that that can be Im- impacted by that episode, even if it's one person that is impacted by his story, one person that's impacted by my story, by your story, if it's just one person, then God has not wasted uh, our suffering. That's one of the things that that Pastor Duncan, your brother in law, has said. I've heard him say this over and over and over again. God does not waste our suffering, right? God uses yeah, that suffering, and if it's just to reach one person, and so if there's, I mean, I, there's a plenty of listeners that that listen to the to the podcast, and so I'm hoping that they're going to be impacted, they'll be strengthened, they'll be encouraged um, by your story. 
And if there's, if you, people have, have questions or want to, you know, pursue that a little bit further, especially if they're in recovery, if they're at that point where they're like, you know what, maybe I, I think I need to get to that point. I think I, like you said, kicking and screaming, uh, into a rehab facility, right. Or into a, or whatever it is, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this, maybe interacting with you might be that push that, that's something. So I'm, I'm open to it. I'm here. I mean, I just, I just know that, you know what, when you, when you're going through that, you, you have two thoughts. Yeah, I need to do it because I've screwed up. I'm messed up. I've messed up a lot of things. And believe it or not, you're like, well, my life's over. I'm never going to be able to have fun again. Right. And that's something you got to work to, too. I mean, it, it was hard. You know, I had to give up a lot of things that we did for fun. Well, guess what? God has shown us a whole nother world out there that things that my wife and I have always wanted to do. And now we can do, them. you know, camping, you know, kayaking, you know, other different things that, that we can do. Plus, you know, some of the things it's done that's helped restore slowly relationships within my family. And I mean, I know we haven't even touched on that, but I mean, you know, the story of my relationship with my brother and and now it's like it's almost done a complete 180 in the last four months i mean granted we work together on and off <laughs> right but that's that's god's way of saying okay you two knuckleheads need to get you- locking locking a room and you guys figure it right out. And, and it is and it's been great i've talked to my brother more about other things other than the last 30 years of my life and the mistakes I've made and whatever about other things. Yeah. And we actually realized that we actually like each other. I mean, we want, right. we spent a week up North deer hunting and we laughed and joked and, and picked on each other and picked on other guys. And, and <laughs> it was the best trip that we've had in years. Yeah. So, I mean, anybody that's, that's doubting or, or struggling or, has questions, you know, they can reach out to me, you know, either find me on Facebook or talk to you or whatever. I mean, I'm I by no means am the smartest person in the room, but I will listen. Yeah. And sometimes that's that's what that's what people that's what people need. And so God's in the business of restoring, right? That's yep. that's that's the whole purpose of of sending Jesus for you is to is to restore you to himself. So Ron, I want to say thanks again. Um one of the the last thought that I have that I a story that I want to share with the people is that um you you and Diane came over to uh, our house, was it three years ago? Three years ago, it was Michigan's. It was Michigan's first run to the college football playoffs. So yeah, it's when they um, when they when the refs cost them the Michigan State game. Wow. No, 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 no. That that was that was their own fault. But uh, if you recall, I'm sure you do. Uh, we had we had 30 people over, 30 or 35 people over to to the house and big game against Michigan, Michigan State, top 10 matchup. And you know, I'm super excited. Obviously, people who know me know that. Pastor Jim makes fun of me and says that, you know, the Michigan football is my is my idol. And, uh, you know, so big Michigan fan come from a long line of uh, Michigan, not just fans, but graduates. And, um, you know, so we're we're really into that. And, you know, we're really excited. We have the whole house full of Michigan fans and then uh, Michigan loses that game. And uh, I I got pissed. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, throw, I'm throwing I'm throwing stuff. I'm throwing my hat into the weeds. I'm throwing uh empty beer cans at the at the side of the, the side of my garage and and I walk out and all of a sudden out and if for the video I'm gonna put the picture up. Um because I think I think Diane took the picture. Um but there's a picture of you. You came you came behind me like this and you just grabbed me. <laughs> and and this is this is why I say, you know, it's it, I do think of you as as another father figure in my life, because you grabbed me and you said, it's OK. We still get to preach the gospel. And so it just to kind of bring kind of bring back that um kind of the recenteredness that like, you know what? Yeah, this is like football games are fun. Yeah. Championships are fun. But at the end of the day, this is not why we're here. And nope. God, God has, has a very specific purpose for us. And, and that, we, we that, was another, that was another one of those Holy Spirit moments because I was just as pissed as you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, this is the worst thing ever. And then you're just like, Tyler, it's, it's going to be okay. <laughs> I'm just like, I know, I know, yeah, but it's not right now. Tomorrow. I know, but it's not right now. So, um, but you know, I've, I've always appreciated your friendship. I've appreciated your, your, your being a, being a mentor to me. Uh, I'm so grateful for you and for the impact you've had, not just in my personal life, but in the, the life of the church. And I'm excited that uh, we get to continue to do uh, ministry together. And so with all that being said, Ron, I will see you later on this evening as we go to battle uh, at the family of God for Advent by candlelight, which will be, uh, which will be a treat. <laughs> For everybody, so um, yeah, that's uh, there's there's a lot of fun, a lot of fun things that are happening, and uh, we get to we get to do those things together. So, um, yep. Ron, thanks again, and uh, we'll chat soon. All right, love you, brother. Love you too. Man.